Maybe. We might already. Hear anything, Brian? Good morning, everybody. It'll be interesting to see how that one starts, whether you guys see me in the beginning talking about the countdown not working or whether it actually starts and then you're uh, hearing me for the first time. But welcome to another episode of WCM Fireside Chats. My name is Brian Cyril here, as always, with Mr. Ben Quiggle from Woodall's Campground Management and Kara Brodegam from the Canadian Camping and RV Council. Today, we've got three very special guests for you who I'm going to let introduce themselves in a second. But Shane, Phil, and Eleanor are all here to chat with us today about government policies, lobbying efforts, ways that they're helping the outdoor industry as a whole uh, just be better for everybody involved in it. And so uh, really looking forward to that. Remember that we are available as a podcast as well. If you'd like to listen later, Spotify, Google, iTunes, all those kinds of things. And if you are watching us on a Facebook page, Woodall's Campground Management, Canadian Camping RV Council, Insider Perks, etc., uh, we have a chat. Please comment, ask questions. We'll do our best to get them answered by all of these fine people here today. So let's go around the room. We want to start with uh, let's start with Eleanor. Tell us a little bit about Good morning. My name is Eleanor Ham. I'm president of the RV Dealers Association of Canada, and uh, I also sit on the board of the Canadian Camping and RV Council. So uh, thanks for having me this morning. Welcome. Thanks welcome. for joining us. Yeah. Phil? Hi, I'm Phil Ingracia. I'm president of the RV Dealers Association, so I'm Eleanor's counter counterpart in the U.S., and I'm also chairman of the Outdoor Recreation Roundtable, which is made up of all kinds of outdoor recreation organizations in the U.S. to work for uh, sustainable recreation and to promote outdoor recreation of all types across the country. Awesome. And Mr. Shane Devinish. Uh, good morning. It's great to be here. My name is Shane Devers. I'm the president of the Canadian RV Association and also a member of the Canadian Outdoor Recreation Roundtable. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. Um, Eleanor, do you want to start by just telling us a little bit about what your organization does and what some of the goals are for it? And then we'll do the same question to Phil. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what I am also a member of the Canadian Outdoor Recreation Roundtable, or our, our association is. And so, um, you know, in terms of what I do, I represent the dealers across Canada. We, uh, we have about... Uh, almost 400 RV dealers and we represent, you know, their needs, their interests uh, and, and, and the welfare of, uh, you know, of the dealer body. Now we formed the Canadian outdoor recreation Roundtable. Um, there's I think 13, 13 different organizations across the country uh, because we really see the need, the importance of having access to outdoor land, having access uh, for people to go into rural communities, uh, you know, definitely um, access for for many people to uh, to enjoy recreation and else, but we need campgrounds uh, as well. So for us, it's very important to uh, to ensure that that we have sustainable land and access uh, for recreation. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, uh, Mr. Phil. Is it well, Ingrassio? I, I don't want to call you Mr. Phil. I'm just always nervous. That I'm not it's Ingrassia. Yeah, it's okay. a nice. Uh, <laughs> Swedish name. No, it's Italian, but uh, oh, RVDA, RVDA represents U.S. RV de dealers uh, across the country. And, uh, you know, we do all kinds of traditional uh, advocacy work for, for dealers, both uh, at the state level and at the national level. We really work at the national level through the Outdoor Recreation Roundtable, 
Um, you know, some of the things that the Outdoor Recreation Roundtable worked on were the passage of the Great American Outdoors Act last year, which will um, provide funding for a lot of backlog maintenance issues in our public campgrounds and also, you know, on our public lands in general, um, clean up our uh, oceans, waterways, things like that. So uh, we're very active in that group. And then we also work through Go RVing to promote uh, RV travel and camping throughout the year with our partners at RVIA. So, uh, you know, obviously the industry had a great year last year. We want to make sure that we keep that momentum going and uh, that we expose all these new campers to a great experience from the time they buy the unit at the dealership all the way through their, their campground experience. And uh, so uh, we're looking forward to a, another good year. Awesome, yeah, looking forward to it as well. So same question, I guess, to you, Shane, with a little bit of a twist, right? How do you, I mean, obviously you're involved in these efforts too, but how do you see the outdoor recreation roundtables obviously in Canada primarily, but in both countries, working with a national association like yours in, in the best way possible. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, thanks, Brian. Um, you know, uh, being being so new, and it's unfortunate, you know, we're, uh, we've, we've kicked off uh, the Canadian version of the, of the Recreation Roundtable uh, during uh, or right before COVID, COVID hit. So we haven't been able to really get into uh, personal advocacy uh, as much as we, we, we wanted to. Uh, hopefully, once we get by this, um, you know, as a group, we can, um, you know, meet with government in person and tell them what, what we want to get going and what we want to do. So, um, you know, we uh, the voice is stronger when everybody works together, for sure. Uh, yeah. But there's so many... Um, uh, you know, so many things that we could we could accomplish, and uh, you know, I think uh, from the Canadian RV Association perspective, and also uh, CCRVCs, uh, who is also represented. I, um, you know, we're really excited, to, you know, for the future to get uh, to get things going and see what we can accomplish for our members. Awesome. Well, Mr. Quiggle, I believe you probably have some really good questions here, right? So let's get going. <laughs> I just can't imagine, uh, Phil, um, with the incoming administration, I just can't imagine how much work um, ORR has been doing just to get acclimated with everyone in the new administration. I mean, that's that's had to keep you guys pretty busy. Well, you, and, and Shane uh, touched on it in this environment right now. It's very difficult to um, have the, the personal connection. However, mm -hmm. you know, platforms like this, We've met with the incoming um, interior secretary, EPA administrator via Zoom, via calls like this. Also with uh, members of Congress, um, certainly with the chairmanships changing in the House over to the Democratic side, we've had some very good meetings through ORR with those folks. And, you know, one of the great things about outdoor recreation is it is a bipartisan issue, right? Um, Last year's Great American Outdoors Act was one of the only major pieces of legislation to even get approved in Congress last year because we have such a divide between the parties on so many other issues in our country. But unfortunately, they can come together when you make a strong case for outdoor recreation and the importance of outdoor recreation, not to only um, you know, people's well-being, their health, but also the economic impact 
of outdoor recreation and the economy. And that's one thing that the Outdoor Recreation Roundtable has been able to do working with the Commerce Department is to show the tremendous impact that that taken as a whole outdoor recreation has on local local communities and job growth. And that's the language that both parties speak very, very well. And so we were able to get the Great American Outdoors Act through Congress, but we still have a lot of work to do on the implementation. It's one thing to have Congress pass the funding authority and all that, but how's it gonna be implement, implemented when the, you know, where the rubber meets the road or the boots meet the ground? And so that's where we gotta make sure that uh, you know, the the money is spent the way Congress intended for, you know, cleaning up this incredible maintenance backlog. If people have been, you know, on Forest Service roads or, you know, even the way they collect fees in some areas is so archaic. You know, I think we've all put a dollar into a, a you know, into a, into a manila, little manila fold and put it through it. It's ridiculous. You know, we need to modernize so many parts of the way we run our public lands. Um, and I think, you know, this is the step, this is the, the way we can get that done moving forward. Yeah, I mean, people have to love talking. I mean, it must be great talking with these people about outdoor recreation versus maybe some of these other budget stuff that they talk about. I mean, it has to be a lot better talking about RVing than maybe, you know, how much money they're gonna, they're gonna spend on this other, budget detail that some of it gets real tedious so at least you have an edge on that front i guess so <laughs> but um positivity. I, yeah positivity um but it, it um you know you were talking about the great outdoors that act that was incredible that they passed and we had somebody from the nps on a few weeks ago that was talking about some of the details with that um i guess you know, we've seen a lot of press releases from the Outdoor Recreation Roundtable here in the last few months or so on various details. I guess, you know, what's been your role, I guess, in kind of making sure that that implementation goes forward correctly, I guess? Well, you have to educate the members of Congress who have some oversight over how that mm -hmm. money is, is spent. Mm -hmm. um, you know, also the new administration coming in, uh, you know, to the uh, the managers there that will be determining how that money uh, is allocated down the down the line. So there's a lot of work that has to be done. We've just started, really, to uh, to um, move forward with Great American Outdoors Act and some of the some of the key things. But for instance, fully funding the land and cons uh, water conservation fund is very important. Um, and then in this infrastructure package that's going to be moving. Um, getting uh, our kind of Eisenhower era, uh, some of the campgrounds, some of the some of the roads leading to campgrounds, some of the visitor centers, that you know, that needs to be um, put on a fast track and 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 get moving. You know, uh, there are there are uh, some. If there's any good thing that came out of the pandemic, and believe me, it's 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 been horrible. But one of the things is that people have been outside more, have embraced the outdoors more. And, you know, we've got to continue that, but we also need the infrastructure to support that kind of activity. Um, 
and managing the visitors on the land is another thing. You know, you've got to got have to have good visitor data. You have to be able to plan for, um, you know, when those crowds are coming. And and so all these things are kind of wrapped up into that bill. And you know, we we hope to see um, progress. But it is it is kind of a a marathon, not a sprint. It is you know, it took took us years to get into this position. Hopefully, it won't take us as long to get out of it. Is there barriers to getting, or I sometimes find it's difficult to get a um, officials to relate to our industry because they don't maybe have as much personal experience with it. Is it difficult to uh, maybe educate them on on you know what what the needs are and if and how do you do that? How do you? Do you give them an information packet and hope they read it, or what's what's the strategy for that? Well, you know, Eleanor, you can talk to that. I mean, I've been to your some of your hill days. Um, it's a very similar process. Yeah, I mean, it's you, you do give them a package and hope they read it, but you know, yeah. <laughs> we don't know if that's always effective. <laughs> you know, I think the key is to have uh, continuous messaging and and to to keep bringing message forward. I mean, you know, we'll have our advocacy week on Parliament, our virtual Parliament Hill week uh, in April, and and one of the messages both from our association, from the dealers, from the campground association, and even the roundtable is, you know, is that investment in, in first of all, Parks Canada, which is, you know, here in Canada, which oversees the national campgrounds, but some dedicated funding for the campground industry. I mean, we talk, we talk a little bit about, um, you know, just the size of RVs. I know that was one thing, you know, when the, when the parks were built in the 70s, 1970s, you know, RVs looked very different than what they do now. So, you know, there's, there's the size, but there's also the water systems. Um, and uh, just, you know, so we do need access uh, to funding. And the, and the key in terms of, of bringing it forward is that, you know, you just keep carrying on the same message. And the same message regardless of who we're speaking to. So, you know, here in Canada, we have uh, sort of three main parties um, and and we are, you know, nonpartisan. So we will talk to, to everybody about the same messaging. Um, but I think what we're finding now is that what's gaining traction, it's like Phil said, is that there's been a lot more interest in people in being outdoors. You know, with the pandemic, uh, you know, it was it, last summer, it was one of the safe ways to actually have a vacation. Um, and so people are starting to understand, yes, you know, and we're, we're seeing different ways uh, to promote tourism, because obviously with borders being closed, uh, you know, we need to rethink and look at different ways to bring people to, you know, rural, rural communities to stimulate rural economy. And so as such, you know, I think, I think the message will be, you know, is, is being listened to a little bit more these days than it was maybe five years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I think I've, I really appreciate one of the things I, uh, really took away from my experience with CCRBC as a campground owner was the ability or your strategy of putting campground owners in officials offices and being able to have those one-on-one -on -one conversations with with those political officials I think it it just gives them that really personal uh, story and connection to you and a, a lot of those re relationships I've maintained going forward with those officials and it's uh, you know it gives you a sense as a business owner that 
you know, they do care and they're there doing the work for you every day. And I think um, that's been incredibly valuable to me. I really appreciate that strategy very much. And, and I think from the official side as well, it gives that human, you know, real, real story. It's not just a packet to read, which I appreciate. Yeah. Um, you know, over the last few months, we've seen quite a bit on the ORR side, um, just of, you know, things that the Biden administration is changing kind of environmentally. I think he rolled back some rules and maybe some land stuff from the, from the previous administration. And, you know, as a campground owners, you know, trying to keep up with all this and how does it impact, um, the park service and maybe impact what I'm doing, I guess, um, I guess, how do you keep track of all that, um, Phil or Eleanor, I guess, how do you keep track of all that and relate it back to the people you represent, I guess, as to what's going on? I noticed ORR was mainly supportive of everything that was going on. So, Well, we want to get off to a, a good, on a good footing with whatever administration it is. Um, so, you know, we're, we're supportive. And one of the things, again, with outdoor recreation is it is important to both parties. So it isn't a stretch to, okay, here's their platform on climate change. Well, okay, how does outdoor recreation fit into that priority? Or jobs or infrastructure? You know, we can tailor our message because it is a relevant message. Because, you know, for instance, you talk about, okay, environmental issues and outdoor recreation. From the get-go, ORR has been for, um, you know, sound conservation policies that promote uh, sustainable recreation. We all know that we need to protect that resource for the long term. So, um, you know, that is part of the, the ORR, you know, quote unquote, talking points to the Biden administration and the new Congress. Um, and, you know, when you're talking about infrastructure as well, one of the things that we've seen time and time again on public campgrounds is, you know, failing septic systems and things like that, or roads that are um, choked with traffic because they haven't been maintained for the visitors that that are, you know, that are going to be in that area at that time of year. So infrastructure investments can also be environmentally uh, the the right thing for that particular park, forest service, uh, recreation area, or BLM uh, piece of property. Uh, you know, it's not mutually exclusive. And that's where I get, you know, we, we need to strike a balance between, you know, recreation usage, preservation of the resource, and then conserving those areas that, that are, you know, the basic, you know, the reason people are going so that they're, they're they're around for future generations. Shane, I, Shane, I have a quick question for you. What are, what are some of your priorities from the Canadian Camping and RV Council standpoint, just legislatively speaking, coming into 2021, 2022? We just, we just did a uh, survey of all the campgrounds across Canada, and the number one concern is, is still our ongoing concern that we've had for the last four years, and that's uh, the tax issue and private campgrounds being eligible for the small business tax deduction, which uh, if they qualify, reduces their tax 
from 50% to 15. So that's a number one. And, and then number two is uh, uh, just investment in, um, in, in, in Canadian tourism through Destination Canada, promote domestic tourism and uh, increase the, um, the awareness. But, you know, I, I, um, I, l- listening this morning, I can't help but think, you know, um, the, uh, our government up here often provides um, money to support government campgrounds and through government. Um, very little of it goes actually to private campgrounds. What we need is almost remove some of the barriers that our private campground owners have, uh, be it be, you know, some MOE restrictions, uh, overburden, you know, uh, red tape, uh, allow campgrounds to put signage on roads, things like that. That's where we need, we could use the most help, uh, not, not necessarily investment, but just remove some of the bureaucracy that we have to deal uh, with up here in Canada. I think yeah. we could do with a little less bureaucracy everywhere, Shane. So, <laughs> but, uh, so tell, tell us about, I think you and maybe Kara can jump in on this too. You, you and Kara both had a presentation last week, I believe related to this, right? Uh, yeah, we, well, Eleanor was on there as well. We had yeah. a chance, we had a chance to present to the uh, PC, which is a minority government uh, uh, right now. Government Tourism Advocacy Caucus or Advisory Caucus. I don't know the exact exact name, but um, you know, we 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 had a chance to present five minute each. There was three different associations. CCRBC was one of them. RVD Canada was another. Camping Ontario was the third. It was a great chance to you know to talk in front of forty or fifty PC uh, members of Parliament about our issues. They've always been listening to us. Uh, uh, so it was great to, you know, uh, but, you know, we went over our number one, two and three concerns. And, and it also gave a, us a chance to recommend, you know, how how, um, how they can help us going forward as we move through and, and get past this COVID situation. Good, good. Glad to hear that. It's always good when more people listen. So, <laughs> yes. I get. I guess Eleanor on the on your on your front. I know you guys are just, you know, putting things together. I guess what you know. What are your priorities? What's the priorities you're looking at as you're, you know, getting the the outdoor recreation table in Canada, um, you know, put together? And what are some of the main priorities you want to focus on right at first? Yeah. So we so we actually just met a, a couple of weeks ago again to say, you know, what what should we put forward as our priorities. Uh, We've got a bit of a strategic plan. Uh, Some of the objectives are uh, ensure the primary drivers of the outdoor recreation economy across Canada are recognized. I mean, we're collectively as a group uh, with the 13 organizations, um, we've estimated that we produce about $26 billion in um, economic activity for Canada. Um, And so we want to ensure that that is recognized. That's why, you know, it's, it's, we're stronger together. So, uh, Mm -hmm. Uh, strong voice. Uh, We want to foster federal collaboration um, that will enable the outdoor recreation economy to reach its full potential. 
and we want to remove barriers, as, as Shane was saying, you know, it's to move, remove uh, some of the barriers um, for private investment on public lands and waterways. You know, we need we need more campgrounds. We need more access to waterways. I mean, the, the Marine Manufacturers Association, I mean, they, they say, you know, they need they need docks and marinas and places for people to, to be able to come in. So we really need to be able to have people that there are people that want to invest and go in, um, but they need to to do it obviously responsibly uh, but just remove the barrier for them to be able to invest in those lands so that people can can you know go out there um, we've also talked about you know hey well how what would it take to get a canadian um outdoors act in place uh the big thing is the the funding so we're like oh where can we find the money like that that's the biggest thing is where would government uh i don't think that there's an extra pot of money somewhere for them to to invest in at, at this particular time um but we are investigating to see you know where what would that look like and and how can we at least if we had something that was a concrete platform at least we could present it uh, to in some of our meetings moving forward yeah. So I'm gonna, yeah. Go ahead, Ben. Sorry. No, go ahead, Brian. I was going to say, I, I wanted to ask the question. So we talked a little bit about with Phil before the show started, just small business owners and stuff like that. How? Do, and I'll open it to anybody who wants to answer it. But how do you talk to some of these? Like, obviously, there's great green initiatives, like you were talking about, Phil, with Thor and some of the RV dealers and stuff like that. And I'm sure the same exists up in Canada. But how do you talk to the smaller business owners who are uncertain of some of the investments that they might have to make? Uh, how do you convince them that that is in their best interest long term? Because we have a lot of park owners who are watching us, right, and who are questioning some of these things. Not necessarily because they're not for the environment, but because it's an expense that they didn't have before. Right. Well, I think that, uh, like you said, Thor, Winnebago, are um, and and other com com companies across the RV industry are are investing into um, you know green technologies, green manufacturing practices. Uh, one of the things that RVDA endorses is um is the you know the green rv certified rv and that's manufacturing practices that these men uh that they've um had audited by this company and it saves them money because there's not as much waste they're saving energy so their their electric bills are lower and um they're they're also able to build in some cases a, a higher quality lighter weight product because they've changed their practices around to meet these standards. So, um, you know, a lot of RV dealers are also looking at things like, uh, you know, lighting, how they're doing their lighting, are they using solar? Um, so th there's there's all kinds of different things that can add to the bottom line. Certainly there's that initial maybe investment of expense, but um, we're seeing more and more manufacturers, dealers taking, uh, taking up some of the uh, the technology that's out there right now. And certainly RVers have been at the forefront of using solar technology and wind technology and, uh, you know, even catching water, right? I've seen it all. And, uh, you know, if anybody's been resourceful as far as uh, leaving no trace and bringing in what you take out, uh, you know, RVers have been uh, doing that for a long time. Well, and I think that's the key here is 
the the choices that campground operators make re regarding you know investments in projects and things like that in their park are going to be consumer driven the consumers are going to speak with their dollars they're going to seek the, the campgrounds that can host their green RV in the best possible way. They're going to seek out the campgrounds that support the, you know, uh, lifestyle choices that matter to them. Um, and and so as that grows in popularity and and the and consumers, camping consumers are seeking that out. Those campgrounds that have made those choices are going to have great success. And like with almost anything else, the market will will drive those business choices, in my opinion. I agree. Independent of that, Sarah, you were a campground owner for a number of years. Is there anything that you, comes to mind that you can think of as far as investment in something that's more economic or not economically, but environmentally friendly that kind of helped your campground that you didn't expect? Maybe in a um, I mean, yeah, we did lots of little things that that impacted operations and stuff. I mean, catching water is a, is a big thing. We had tons of big buildings on the property and we started catching water and using that for all of our uh, on-site irrigation and landscaping and things like that. And I had customers comment on that all the time that they appreciated that. Um, but then also things like, you know, upgrading all of our power pedestals. My park was built in the early eighties. Um, you know, there was all kinds of limitations that have have grown and technologically changed in those 30 years and so you know investing and making those upgrades was a ton of money but it was incredibly uh valuable in terms of things like power usage um kilowatt hours abs absolutely were impacted by that um you know our sewer system we completely upgraded after it was 20 25 years old that was a massive investment and you know cost us we had to dig up half the <laughs> several sites and things like that for for a year or whatever but um you know those were valuable important things and i mean i think those impact potentially your long-term ability to just operate your campground from a from a regulatory standpoint if you're uh, systems are breaking down and, um, you know, potentially causing risk or hazard, you're eventually that's going to catch up with you. And, and so I think those are just necessities that come with the territory. But um, yeah, I mean, we had recycling programs, we, we implemented a bunch of stuff, we did compost collection on site. So campers, you know, would bring all their compost stuff. And, and we would use all of that again, in all of our landscaping and things like that, there's tons of ways to get innovative and, and that does appeal to a good section of the, the market for sure. And we have like places like uh, associations like the National Association of RV Parks and Campgrounds, which awards annually uh, small, medium and large park with the Planet Green Award for doing those types of improvements and having those strategies in place, which is mm -hmm. kind of nice. I think some state associations do some awards similar to that. Um, uh, yeah, and I don't want to leave you out. What have you done from a green perspective as a homeowner in Michigan? <laughs> as from a homeowner? Well, you know, we make maple syrup and we have bees and uh, we've got chickens and uh, we're, we're looking at solar. But uh, Well, and I that's the thing too. Like you yeah. can potentially turn some of these things into amenity style attractions yeah. in your park. There's all kinds of ways to get creative with it that can benefit uh, your business for sure. Well, and you know, the, the, the one thing that we've seen with some of the publics 
as well, but I know this has happened at private, is if, Carol, like you were saying, if you don't make that investment in your septic system, a perfect example, you can lose an entire season. Yes. If you, mm -hmm. that's, that's happened. And so, uh, you know, certainly it helps the environment, but it, it also can, you know, avoid catastrophe by doing those kind of things. Absolutely. I think from a, you know, we were trying to get a campground owner on the show that was going to go through their personal experience um, with what they've done, but we weren't able to get anyone. But I did have some good conversations with people. And, you know, a lot of it is developers, um, you know, once you get the park built, um, there's, you know, there's some issues that arise every once in a while, but I know developers are really the ones that are, you know, they have to get the septic system approved. Um, they yeah. have to work with the water, uh, watershed areas and different things. Um, I was going to you know. say those, those types of choices also really impact the value of your business. And maybe you don't want to sell today or you think you never want to sell, but sometime, someday, sometime down the road, you might need to sell. And, and so those valuable choices uh, now can have great impact on, you know, not just, you know, maybe you don't personally prioritize being as green as possible and that's fine, but understanding the, the broader impact of, of working in the world like that is incredibly valuable. Yeah, we've seen a lot more park owners interested in solar. Not every uh, state or you know area you live in is is right for solar. Some states, I think, have rules that are a little bit more. Um, they aren't as beneficial um, if you put in solar panels. But we've definitely seen more park owners interested in solar, um, which I think we're going to talk about here in a few weeks on another show. So mm -hmm. that's been kind of interesting. I think people are park owners are beginning to realize that. You know the world is kind of shifting. You know, you know we've been talking about all electric vehicles too, um, which is something that's been popping up a lot more. So yeah, there's some pretty visceral feelings about that stuff. I mean, I think uh, there's going to be some interesting impacts as that stuff rolls out for sure. But I just noticed on the Winnebago uh, blog over the weekend, this was the first first-hand uh, experience I've seen. This couple is documenting towing an RV with their Tesla and, uh, you know, how, how they have to adapt, adapt to, you know, the range that they go on and where they charge. And, but it was very, very interesting to me to see this couple towing a, a lightweight RV with a, with their Tesla. I, I hadn't seen anybody really get into the details of it. So, you know, who knows how long, uh, you know, the, the horizon is for that, but certainly it's, it's going on right now. Yeah, and like, you know, in the area I live in, in southern Michigan, there's not a lot of charging stations for that. So I imagine they probably avoided our area. But, um, uh, you know, so maybe we'll start seeing more of those pop up. Um, I, see, I saw Elon Musk was commenting on his Cybertruck that he says can potentially power an, an RV from its mm -hmm. battery, which was kind yeah. of interesting, too. So... In, in my last couple years of campground ownership, I did start to have, like, folks would drive in off of the highway and be like, can I pay for a site for a couple hours to plug in my electric car? Like, I have nowhere to charge my car. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I do think campgrounds have a unique position there, too. I mean, there's ways to leverage that and do unique things there. How does... 
what how does you know each of your outdoor recreation roundtables how do you guys you know work to kind of spur that those developments in your in the associations you work with i guess how do you spur the movement towards energy efficiency i guess <laughs> well it's it's you know it's going to be different for different industries too right i mean yeah. um for the rv industry we've got a number of electric vehicle makers coming down the pike here um rivian with its full-size pickup truck that they say can tow um lordstown motors they're um discussing a partnership with camping world um so you know it is definitely coming our way um and then we've got the issue of uh you know a lot of our activity is remote so if you are in a rivian truck towing a, a vehicle and you're out in the middle of montana okay where are we going to charge this so as you were saying tara is that an opportunity for campgrounds to yes. in you know out in um less populated areas to be a a, a major contributor to um the the use of electric vehicles but on the other side you've got you've got um issues that the marine industry has to figure out i mean if you're out on a boat you know how's that going to work with your with an electric boat motor so there's there's a lot of things that we have to to consider and work on moving forward and certainly that's what the outdoor recreation roundtable is there to do is to help um have a conversation surrounding those topics so that we can all kind of work together to answer these questions before they be it becomes a, some kind of a crisis and we have to deal with it on the back end let's look forward and figure it out on the front end mm -hmm. so you mentioned working together i'm very curious about this path that it takes right so shane maybe you can answer this so how does an issue come from a campground owner who brings up a valid legitimate issue that not only impacts their campground, but many others. How does that get to the Canadian Camping and RV Council, get to the Outdoor Recreation Roundtable, get to being presented to government? Uh, good question. Um, you know, we try to be open and and, uh, and 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 ask those questions of campgrounds in, in different surveys all the time. Um, you know, it, uh, move it up. Uh, the way we're structured the idea is for a campground owner to, to bubble it up to that province uh, as an issue uh, the province would meet uh, or discuss bring it up to CCRVC and uh, CCRVC would bring it up um, at the table of the outdoor recreation roundtable that's in a perfect world that's how you know it, it uh, we would bring it up and in Canada I've, I've said it very, uh, many many times that uh, we have um, the opportunity to meet uh, uh, in in normal times, uh, you know, between eight and ten times a year, uh, where we have all of the national associations together, being RVDA of Canada, uh, Gorvin, CRVA, CCRVC. So, you know, uh, uh, all those things are discussed, and uh, but it it, it it you know comes down to having the voice of the individual campground. You know, um, communicate it, and uh, and then you know, then we talk amongst the group. Okay, how widespread is this? If it's a big, big issue, uh, you know, we we need to bubble it up and talk about it. 
And frankly, that's a great benefit to being a member of an association. Um, it's it's one of the top reasons, in my opinion, for, as a from a business owner standpoint, of of membership is it's incredibly valuable when you do have an issue to have this kind of team of support and also access to you know I as a as a single individual campground owner I don't know how to contact the MP's office and get an audience and all the things like it just gives you a ton of resources that you wouldn't have on your own. Um, and, and to me, that's worth the price of membership a hundred times over. Yeah, yeah. Phil, I know we don't have anybody from Arvik on here right now, but Phil, what does that process look like for you and, and Arvik and maybe even KOA and LSI? Well, you know, one of the things that the pandemic did too, I think was, um, increase inter RV and camping communication. I think Shane and Eleanor would agree with that um, because we did not know a year ago, you know, we did not know what was coming down the pike, right? Um, so we had to get together and address some of these issues right away. In the US, it was, okay, what campgrounds are open, what aren't, um, with, uh, when was production going to start again between the manufacturers and the dealers? Were dealers going to be able to remain open? What about service? All these things came up at us very, very quickly. But we have maintained this inner, or inner association contact. So now we're meeting quarterly. We were meeting weekly during the during the the uh, pan, you know the height of the pandemic. So we certainly have got much more. Um, communication. For instance, there's an issue in California right now with uh, motorhomes and yeah. Class A is having to go through a uh, an inspection process, right? Well, now that the, the California RV Dealers Group is working with um, uh, ARVC and the California Campground Group to educate the state uh, that you do not want to make Class A owners who are visiting from out of state go through some kind of a a, a a smog check you know if you want to have any kind of tourism development there so you know that's a i you know that may have occurred uh, two years ago but certainly we were able to make that connection almost immediately now so there's a lot more coordination between the groups uh, and it, it it's going to be ongoing mm -hmm. And that situation out in California is a perfect example of why it's important to have like an ORR and an RVIA and, a, and an RVIC and CampCal now working for campground owners. Because I can't imagine what the impact on the RV, you know, RV travel in California might be if they don't get an exemption or something for that rule. So what's next, Ben, on your list of questions? <laughs> well, uh uh, I guess, you know, Eleanor, I, first off, I didn't know whether you were the president of CORR or, or are you just on the board of CORR? No, I'm just on the board. Well, actually, we, we don't have, we don't know, we don't have you a have president. You have a president? We're not that, no, okay. No, because we're uh, we're not incorporated yet as an official association so um that is one of the steps that we will likely move towards um so right now it's just representation from their 13 members okay. and everybody's equal so <laughs> so what's the so have you guys been meeting pretty regularly then i know you've had a couple of meetings you guys stay in close contact 
with each yeah, other? Yeah, I mean, we we do actually. We send a lot of emails. It seems uh, we we we're trying to meet. I think quarterly, and then, um, you know, twenty twenty came along, and I think everybody was very. I mean, we worked, uh, our association worked very closely with CCRVC and the Manufacturers Association, CRVA, just to ensure that uh, what was happening in the RV industry, uh, we, you know, we knew collectively uh, who was open and who could do what. So I think things, and, and every organization kind of started looking after their sector. So we met a little bit less frequently in 2020. Um, but as things started moving forward and, and things were opening up and, and many of our industries uh, that are represented were extremely busy, right? Just uh, like the dealers were, you know, sold product, the campgrounds were busy, uh, the boat, you know, NMA, I mean, they were, they sold, you know, I think, um, you know, the interest in, in boating grew something like 73%. I think Sarah Insane. from NMA said, you know, even people taking their boating license was up phenomenally. So, so then we started saying, okay, now that, you know, we know the industries are going to be well, let's try to refocus and come up with a strategic objective for, for 2021. So that's kind of where we're at now. Um, and again, we're, we're talking about, you know, what, what can we do to, uh, to try to mirror this, this uh, outdoors act or what would that look like in the Canadian marketplace? You guys had the idea for the CORR before COVID, correct? And, and then did COVID kind yes. of change plans? Yeah, we first met... Well, yeah, we first met, I think it was in 2018. So we first started having some conversation. We had our first in-person meeting in 2018 and we kind of announced it in October of 2019, I think it was. And, you know, we were starting to put the plan in place and we thought we would have, um, you know, an advocacy day or, you know, day on the hill uh, early 2020, you know, and then, right. <laughs> so that did happen, but we're, we're hoping and now we're meeting virtually so we're hoping that uh, we can get a few um, you know a few meetings with members of parliament through through zoom um, especially because tourism tourism strategy and tourism recovery is such a huge huge issue on for all sides of government and so that's where you know we can say hey you know this is what we represent this is our voice and these are some of the concerns from uh, from within the industry so we're kind of ramping that up have, I get you know I noticed that RVIA canceled their um, their uh, RVs Move America Week last week where they usually you know annually get together and meet in person. I guess you know what you know. I guess both of Phil and Eleanor, would you like to meet these people in person or is it easier? Do you find them more accessible through like Zoom and and the ways that you've had to do things because of the COVID crisis? I guess. Well, in-person is always better as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, we uh, we participate in that RVs Move America Week and we bring dealers in and we talk with, you know, dozens and dozens of folks on the Hill typically, but that's just not possible. So we do the best we can and, you know, we will continue to meet with Congress, but I think everybody's looking forward to getting back to, um, in-person meetings, no matter what, <laughs> no matter what it is. So we're looking forward to getting back on the Hill physically and, and talking to folks. Yeah, Ben, mm -hmm. there's things that you have to do in person, like wine and dine, and get steak dinner, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. 
I wish it was all that glamorous. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the thing though that I found is, is of course we like to meet in person, but uh, the one thing that it has done or hopefully will do because our, our first one is, is next month is actually allow us to, to bring in more dealers and more industry representatives because normally it's our, our, our board members, the people that are in OWA for that week, the board members of CCRVC. And so you're limited to that. And, and you know, members of parliament may want to see someone from their jurisdiction, from their riding. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. here and now at least we have the ability to say, hey, you know, you don't need to be there that day, but your MP wants to meet with someone, you know, are you available? So we can, we can reach out further to more members yeah. to participate. And then hopefully that that you know gives them the ability to understand what we're doing and the messaging and and to see the benefit of the advocacy work so so that's a positive absolutely yeah yeah i mean i've just been uh i was just curious because uh i was just you know we've been able to connect so well and it seems like you know we've had more meetings and that ability to like educate each other so well through zoom and everything i didn't know if uh it was easier to connect with people even on the Capitol Hill and stuff, even though that's uh, been a mess. So, Well, I think there's a difference between easier and better, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and there's pros and cons to both sides of things, I think, right? So, you know. And in the U.S., I would encourage, you know, uh, anybody who's interested in these topics, Congress is changing the way they're going to be meeting moving forward. I think mm-hmm. you're going to be seeing more virtual town halls, uh, for a lot of different reasons, some of them related to the Congress people's security um, versus in-person town halls. Uh, so I would hope that people who are have their ear to the ground with their their representative, you know, let let the people know what what your issues are and at the grassroots level. And these video town halls are a way to do that. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that was one of the things when I worked in the newspaper industry that always surprised me was, um, you know, people had strong opinions, but then when they actually held meetings, nobody would show up. So uh, um, that was always kind of interesting. Is some of that, though, because people aren't don't feel like they can make an impact? Maybe. but, But is that because people maybe feel like that? I think there's a certain amount of um, reticence. Certainly Eleanor and Shane know that it does take a certain amount of preparation and um, kind of a a willingness to to interact. Uh, People are, um, they're intimidated by talking to a congressperson or a member of parliament because they feel like, well, what can I bring to this? Well, you, you bring a lot. You bring personal experience. You 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 have to meet a payroll, right? And you're you're a, a, a thriving member of your community, so they want to hear about that. They want to hear the good and the bad. And I think um, you know one of the things that we learn when we're visiting, and and I've seen this in Canada because I've been to a number of hill days with with uh, the Canadian folks is. They'll talk your ear off about their camping experience, their fishing experience, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's an it's an easy conversation to have in the outdoor recreation industry. You know, getting back to what you said, Ben, we're not talking about nuclear power. We're talking about you know a, something that people want to talk about, and that's the great outdoors. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess, you know, um, we're still, you know, in the middle of this COVID thing. I guess what does, you know, it looks like we're getting, you know, out of the COVID stuff, which is, which is great. Hopefully more people will get the vaccinations and stuff and we could keep moving out. But I guess what are the, you know, what are some of the things that you guys want to tackle? Um, what are some of the things you're focused on moving through the rest of the year, I guess, maybe besides COVID, if that's one of them? <laughs> well, from our standpoint. Don't all I mean, talk at once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's maybe I didn't make any sense. <laughs> No, it's interesting that you bring that up because we've all been so focused on COVID. Now we're going, I don't know what's next. No, what's, yeah, what's next? You know, we were, the Bar Association for RBDA, we were supposed to be having a strategic planning session in July of this year. We do a, a real deep dive every three years. And we've actually postponed that because we don't think we'll be getting together in person. So I'm actually in that process of saying, okay, so now once we start to get out of this and we can focus our resources on other things, where are we in our strategic objectives? And, you know, what, what do we need to kind of move back towards, uh, you know, in terms of, of, uh, of, of our goals? And for us, our, our big one is often education and training. You know, we've had to suspend so many projects. Like we have a in-person troubleshooter clinic for RV service technicians. We have the convention obviously which we're going to start working towards with with rvda in the u.s for hopefully you know canadians will be able to go in person as well um and what well, does what does that look look like you know in terms of uh um you know like our our skills canada participation so it's really starting to now mm -hmm. implement new you know d new or different in-person events and when can they take off and and how can we start getting training and education back to our dealer bodies which has been sort of put on hold because people were focused on so much of other stuff right you know on the on the u.s side i think the entire industry is focused on um we brought in a lot of first-time buyers in 2020. in fact some dealers are saying you know half to 70 percent of the people that bought in 2020 were first-time buyers. So how do we give everybody a good experience? What's the service experience going to be like? So ironing out any um, kinks in the supply chain is going to be very, very important to make sure that people can get their units serviced. And then I also think, you know, one of the things we'll be wanting to look forward, you know, once the backlog, the COVID backlog is over, um, how do we continue to build the industry uh, moving forward so that, like I said, we keep this momentum going into 2022? And, you know, what are, what will Garvine be doing? What will um, the dealers need to do to keep the, keep the momentum going, keep that retail uh, chain humming? And I think that's going to be a big topic of discussion at, at our convention in November uh, as far as, you know, COVID, how do we keep how do we keep the momentum going you know and i i think 2022 is going to be fluid depending on how this year goes and um you know i i think for the for the campgrounds we just want to open on time we want to um, you know deal with the restrictions uh we want to get through uh as best we can as successful as we can right across canada and uh and then in the fall you know Hopefully we're by this, then we can, you know, let's talk about the future now. But I, I think there's, we got to look at the at the near term here, uh, for for right now as well. 
So I have a, a question. Obviously, we have a big audience of campground owners who watch us. Um, and, and from a from a campground owner's perspective, I feel like there's a, a lack of knowledge about what ORR in both of your countries does, right? I mean, the association obviously communicates a little bit, but at least the majority of clients that we have for Insider Perks, I've never very rarely heard people mention ORR before. Uh, so how does that communication, how can that be strengthened in both of your countries respectively with so campground owners know more about the great work that you're doing? Well, I think ARVC and KOA both are, are big uh, participants in ORR. And to a certain extent, it's my responsibility as the president of the RVDA to educate RV dealers about ORR. And I know that ARVC is doing the same thing for campground owners. Um, and, you know, hopefully it gets down into the state groups as well. Uh, but that's really kind of what... Uh, we're set up to do as a national association is communicate with the members on these national issues. ORR does have its own website in the U.S. and does do um, trade press relations and things like that. But we uh, we really need to work with our with our member organizations to whether it's People for Bikes, whether it's uh, Specialty Equipment Manufacturers Association, NMMA, all the different members we have to work through those national associations. To get that that message out there, and uh, you know, there's a lot of good priorities. Like I said, infrastructure is a is a big big issue. The gateway communities around some of the major attractions, uh, making sure that, uh, that they have the resources they need to move forward, because you know those are huge. They're, they're gateway communities into Yosemite or their or. Uh, Grand Tetons or whatever, and they need to, they need support as well. So, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of good activity at the ORR level, but uh, the state the the um, the state associations and the national associations need to filter that down. Okay, so primarily ORR to ARVIC or a state association or KOA or LSI, and then those organizations filter to state. Absolutely, okay. that's the, the model we're operating under right right now. Yes, same way in Canada, Eleanor. Yeah, that would be the same way, you know, because you've got the the heads of, you know, or the the chief staff officers of each of the different groups participate in uh, CORR, and it would go down, and you know, but similar to way if issues go up the chain, they, you know, they go back down in terms of communication as as well, um, mm -hmm. and so you know, it's it's our job to educate our board and then our provincial because we're a federation of provincial and regional associations so to educate the provinces and then to get down to the dealer body as well so just to be clear if a canadian park doesn't know what the orr is doing for them it's shane's fault <laughs> <laughs> yeah we can just blame it on shane oh. sure <laughs> Poor shane. well and i think, Thanks, I think both organizations are not these formal monoliths either right right you know, it really does depend on the member organizations Mm -hmm. to spread the news yeah. about what's going on because you know ORR has a staff of three people it's not a big group and so um, there, a lot of the work is done by the member organizations who just happen to be associations themselves so it's it's a little it's a little different than maybe uh, you know thinking you've got some massive uh, federal group it isn't that way at all it's really depends on the members to do a lot of the heavy lifting, both on the policy side and on the communication side. 
Well, so you bring up an interesting question, though. Is there ways like business owners like me who work with 300 campgrounds and do marketing can help you reach a larger audience? Or is that not something you want uh, to do? Uh, support your national organization, whether it's ARVC, RVD of Canada, CRVA, whatever. That's how to that's how to support outdoor recreation roundtable in the U.S. is to support RVIA, RVDA, and ARVC. Get involved with those groups, and it'll you'll get you'll get the information. Hey Brian, yeah. you could always set up a. You know, we can use your expertise to set up a brand new website for core. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And we, we would we would make public that you did it all for us. I'm like, if I can help the industry association, I'm 100% open to that. I told you that before, Shane. Like, I don't need to make money off of that stuff because it helps all of us in the term. So, yeah. Yeah, we don't have a website yet. So that is definitely something that uh, we've got some social channels for sure that so you can follow us on. But. That might I mean, be the I've next step. It like it's a hard sell, right? Nobody believes me that I'll do it for free because everybody <laughs> else wants something to me. I feel like I'm getting something long term from what ORR is going to do that will trickle down and benefit me. So Yeah, I expect a lot of I expect a lot of favors when I do things. So <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't do anything for free. So <laughs> I'm I'm Brian's counterpart. I'm the yeah. I'm the mean ogre that wants stuff. Um, yeah, so I think core has a great name. I mean, core C O R R with the core. I mean, you could do some different things with that, uh, nickname. So, um, but anyways, I'd love to hear your branding. Uh, <laughs> me, me and Brian will spitball. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any other questions for these? No, I think I think we covered a lot. I mean, it's great yeah. to get updates on what you guys are doing, and then it's great to be able to just, um, you know, hear the pathways that campground owners could connect with you. And um, I know at Woodalls, we definitely are following what's going on out in California with the diesel, the smog inspection stuff, um, which could impact campground owners. And I mean, it's great to go to your web, like the ORR website. And when Core gets one, I'm sure it'll be great when they get, go to their website and just read um, the news and what you guys have been doing and to keep up with everything going on. It's a, it's a big undertaking. So it's great to have representation. So, you know, what's really great. It's camping season. It's starting yeah. to get there. It's warming up. So that's what's really great. And I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to a big year. I hope uh, hope everybody else is. Can you see my sign? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh yeah. I'd rather be camping. <laughs> camping. Yeah. That's a great sticker, but why is it not on your car where more people can view it? Right? <laughs> it's part of my it's part of my vast collection of uh, yeah. memorabilia right. back there. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I think it's going to be a great season. So everyone around here in southern Michigan is pulling out their RVs and and trying to get mm -hmm. them ready and and stuff like that. Even even though we could possibly get snow tonight, so so well, it's a little snow. It'll be fine. Well, I think um, we'll let these people go. I'm sure they got more important things uh, to do. Although we enjoyed having them on the show. So, yeah, um, so great. any more questions? You always do that, Ben. I was waiting for you to ask me. Ask what? If I had Find any more questions, you always ask. Yeah, do you, do you, do you, 
Well, you told me to let them go. Do you have any more questions, yeah. Brian? <laughs> yes, I have one question. Did you get a new haircut? It looks kind of like monkey-ish slash MTV. <laughs> and on that note, I hope everyone yes. has a fabulous week and Ben enjoys his new haircut. Yeah, and I think we're talking about um, OTAs next week. So yes. um, that should be another great conversation. We have some good people coming on. Um, Spot tonight, um, Camp Nab is coming on. Um, we should have some other individuals from reservation systems maybe talking about the disconnect between OTAs and the res what we've got in the industry so far. So that should be great. So awesome. Well, thank um, you so much, Eleanor, Phil, Shane. Thank as you. As always, and Ben, really appreciate you guys' time and look forward to speaking yeah. to you guys again soon. Yep. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. Thanks for Thank having me. Have a great day. Thanks. Yep. Have a good rest of the week. Yep. Bye. Bye.